This is the Blackout Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blackout Podcast where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have Brittany from Branding by Brittany. Uh, thanks for coming to the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, I know you're super busy. You're like everywhere, like traveling a lot and working on these things. And I just actually found out you're responsible for the beautiful logo for the Halifax Jazz Fest. Yes. Yeah. Um, is this the first year you've worked with them? You know what? It's actually my third year working with the Halifax Jazz Festival. So mm. it was really great that they came back for a third year to work with me. Yeah. And I'll be working with them again next year as well. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. How did year one happen? So year one happened by, I, it was actually, so going back into ancient history, but probably about 10 years ago, I mm. worked at the Atlantic Film Festival. Mm. So one of the executive directors, um, Andrea Thomas, Andrea Dawson Thomas, worked at the, um, at the Film Fest and she was part of the executive team there. And I had designed main images for them at that time. So she kept my name in mind. And just years and years later, uh, she approached me again to design for the jazz fest because she's an executive member of the halifax jazz festival team so she's the i believe her official title is the festival director so Uh, yeah yeah okay 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 and how did you get to work with atlantic film festival then so i had this is a very unglamorous way to say this but i was on canada job bank i was looking for new opportunities and i found i came across the job posting um and i was still fairly new in my career at that point i think i was probably only my third year into my design career Mm. and I was like wow like working for the you know the film festival that was one of the things like while I was going to school it's like one day I want to design the main image for the film festival Mm. and it was on my kind of uh, career bucket list so to speak so I'm like I'm going to apply for this like it was more of like a kind of advertised as like a production design position And uh, I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. So at the time, it was like really nerve wracking because it was almost like there was like a panel of four people who were interviewing me. And I felt like I had such a long shot, but that sort of never has stopped me from, you know, going and applying for things that I felt were way out of my league. Mm. So they were sort of grilling me for about an hour and talking (laughs) about my experience and all that. And then, uh, you know, I ended up getting the job. So, yeah, even though I was very, very fresh in my career. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah. And then let's rewind back from why design? Why design? Yeah. Um, because I think it's honestly what where my biggest strength has always been. So I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, wow. I wanted to do that because I loved <laughs> animals so much. Yeah. And I actually, I volunteered at the Atlantic Cat Hospital. So shout out to them. They're awesome people there. Um, and I still take my cat there. Um, so I wanted to do that. But I realized that you need to be incredibly strong with math. And you also probably need to have nerves of steel. You have to put down animals. I So I really just felt like I wasn't cut out for the position. Mm. So I was, the other thing I was really strong with was always art, always art. So how I started was I actually was, I would design these posters for, um, for class, for different presentations I would do. And my teachers would start to collect these posters. They're like, this is fantastic. Like, this is a really great example. I want to show other students. And I was starting to sort of see at a young age. that What school was this? This was um, at the time, Basin View Elementary School. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
at Basinville Elementary and my teacher started to collect that those Bristol board posters and I was I was beginning to realize at a really young age that there is a power in how visuals influence people mm. and even as like a really like a young kid I was like wow like I got really good marks on this because it looked so like not professional, but really interesting. Mm. And there's a power in that. Mm -hmm. So I just sort of kept doing artistic things all throughout elementary, junior high. I actually founded my, I co-founded my junior high art club. Yeah. In Heron Cove Junior High. Um, And we did like a wall mural on the outside of the school. So I just really always stuck with what I was good at. Now, It's still unusual that I selected design because I didn't grow up with having a computer in my home, which is really unusual for my age group. So unlike a lot of millennials who are exposed to computers at a really young age, Mm. I did not have that at home. So I remember saying to my digital arts teacher in grade 12, I was like, I think I'm going to be a graphic designer. And he was just like, well, how about photography? Because your computer skills are not really all that great. So I was a little heartbroken to hear him say that because I really looked up to him, but Mm -hmm. he was trying to look out for my best interest, Mm -hmm. but I needed to really practically make a living, but still be creative, which is what I'm really good at. So bringing those two things together. So I decided to go to NSCC and uh, take graphic design and... Honestly, I've, just, I've, I've never looked back. I've been a graphic designer ever since. So, <laughs> but it was really, it was a challenge for me. Like I had to learn how to use a computer. Mm. I had to um, kind of push past, like, you know, definitely a lot of people doubting me that I could do that. Because mm. um, I was not a typical person who would be probably getting into graphic design, not having any experience with technology at all at the time. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And how was it at ENSCC? How long were you there for? I was I was there just for two years and it was really an awesome experience and an interesting experience there because it was their temporary campus while they were building their waterfront location. Oh. Yeah. So um, I was just there for two years. It was a really intimate uh, sort of class size. It was the video students, uh, the photography students and the graphic design students. So we all sort of got to know each other really well. Mm. And I'm still friends with a lot of those folks from that class. I ended up marrying one of them. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so when you were done with NSCC, what what did you start doing? So uh, I had a work term at the hospital and... Doing what? (laughs) Literally designing pee and poop charts. (laughs) 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 That was... (laughs) That was my, that was my very, that was my... What what are those charts? Like, um... So it actually tracks, like, patients, um, you know bowel movements and when they go to the bowel because like that was actually something that they needed at the time I was placed in the to back up a little bit I was placed in the audiovisual department and the audiovisual department at Capital Health at that time was in charge of not just um, video audio uh, graphic design services but also porter services as well what was that porter services is uh, really getting people or things to different places in the hospital mm. so um, so the same man that was in charge of that department was also in charge of porter services which is really unusual because you have you know creative services and then you have this vital function in the hospital of of porters Mm. so i worked for i I did my work term for a month there they're like you were great we have no position for you here Mm. however are you squeamish around dead bodies (laughs) (laughs) 
what? This this is actually true. And I was like, well, I was 20 at the time. I'm like, I don't think, I think I might've been at a funeral once when mm. I was five. I don't, I really don't know, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Mm. So they were like, okay, like we'll hire you on. And it was, you know, a decent paying gig. I actually have always loved helping people. Mm. And you know, when you're, when you're working with sick people, like they're, obviously don't want to be there and if you can be pleasant to somebody while they're not well mm. it just it made me feel good um I, now I desperately wanted to be in my career and in my field so I eventually moved on from Porter Services and I got my first job uh here in Halifax at a small coffee shop called Uncommon Grounds oh yeah yeah so that was my very first real design position after moving away from Porter Services mm. um so I have to give a shout out to Gordon Steve uh, he's the owner of Uncommon Grounds and still is the owner. Mm. So if you go into their coffee shop to this day, you buy a bag of one of their coffees. I, they still use the same labels that I designed about, you know, 11 years ago now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I got to design like a lot of package design, um, just anything that they needed. Where I was an in-house designer, I had my hands on absolutely everything. Mm. I got to work on a lot of illustration and it was just a really, really cool uh, first job and like a super creative first job for a brand new grad mm. so um yeah I think I I had been looking for work probably for about uh, I'm gonna say like you know six to eight months after I got out of NSCC because I was doing the porter thing but mm. that was really where I cut my teeth and I I started working with them originally mm. yeah what was the inspiration for your uh label so there is I think there's a series of about 12 different labels and they already had names so I know I can remember one in particular it was like Swiss water decaf but it's all different places in the world um mm. that the origin of this coffee comes from oh, okay so Uncommon Grounds has a roaster that they work with called I believe Nova Coffee and I think they're based here in Sackville so they're a local small business as well mm. and um, they uh, create all these custom blends for Uncommon Grounds so but the beans are from different origins so what I did was I did a lot of in-depth research about each area of origin where that coffee came from mm. so there's an Ethiopian Ethiopian roast there is a Swiss roast um, there is a Mexican roast Guatemala so I took inspiration from different textiles that were worn in that area or oh. like the different geography of that area mm. or different colors of their like you know their flags or their so I, I really researched a lot and actually that really taught me that research before you do design is so crucial because mm. it really impacts the final creative result mm -hmm. that you that you get yeah so that's that's you know sort of how that create creative came about mm. yeah and uh, when did you start branding by britney oh, i started branding by britney i'm gonna say it was so i love that you asked this question Technically, um, according to the Registry of Joint Stocks, I started four years ago, or sorry, it'll be five years ago this year. Mm. However, I didn't really, um, I didn't, there's a difference between registering a business and running a business. Yeah. There's yeah, a yeah, huge yeah. difference. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, yeah. So um, I started, I started, uh, I registered my business in 2014 on August 15th. So it'll be my five-year anniversary this year in my business. However... It was a very, very ungraceful jump into entrepreneurship. So for the longest time, I didn't think that entrepreneurship would work for somebody like me as like somebody who's so creative, has no business experience. I just never thought that I'd be that kind of person to really fit that 
that role. Mm. And I was never brought up like my my dad was a blue collar worker. My mom was a stay at home mom. There was no entrepreneurial spirit at all in our household. Like oftentimes you hear entrepreneurs talk like they're like, oh, yeah, like I had a lemonade stand and I did this and that. It's like, no, 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 there was none of that for me. (laughs) There was none of that for me. It was like you're going to go work in an office for somebody else. Mm. So how it really started was that I was working at a local ad agency. So after I moved on from Uncommon Grounds, the Atlantic Film Festival, I then moved on to work at at an agency. Mm. And I thought that I had, I thought I had it made. So at the time, Mad Men was on TV. So Mad Men really glamorized 1960s ad agencies. And I was like, I'm going to be Peggy. I'm going to be Joan. Like, you know, I can like work with a ton of exciting brands, have a bigger impact, move away from the smaller business in-house gigs and really work in this larger scale. So I um, was super excited to be there. And then I realized over the course of like the year I was there, like my contributions were not at all appreciated. Mm. I, you know, I didn't have kids. So I, you know, stayed and I worked really, really long hours. So I'd get in at like 9 a.m. in the morning and sometimes leave at 3, 3 a.m. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And then it was also... Um, not to, you know, I'm, I'm always delicate with how I talk about this, but when you appear really young, and I was really young at the time, I was 24, and you're a woman, you're just not sadly taken seriously. Mm. And it was a huge barrier to my success there because I just really wasn't at all uh, taken seriously. Mm. So um, there was other things that happened in in the agency and like, you know, it was an incredible experience, but Mm. I ended up getting so stressed out that I developed chronic migraines. Holy smokes. Yeah. So what ended up happening was that I'd be working at my desk and I would actually start to lose my vision. So, you know, like when you're looking like through like, I don't know, like privacy glass in a bathroom and the glass is sort of obscured a little bit. Mm. It started my the blindness would start that way and creep into where I couldn't see anything at all. So I'd have to go home. And uh, there was one day that I was just sort of one of these episodes I had and I was lying in my bed and I was just so miserable because I really was not a fit at this place. And I was just like, you know what, like I, I can't do this anymore. And that's really how my business started. Mm. So in 2014, I went out and registered. But then after that, I, I got a really large contract working for um, another local business organization here mm. called the IWK Foundation. And they were amazing to work for. The problem was, is that instead of running my business, I was like, this is great. I'll have a few hours that I that I work here and then I'll start building my business on the side. Mm -hmm. These guys will be my bread and butter. I'll build my business. So what they're doing at the IWK Foundation is amazing, totally aligns with my values and my ethics. Like they're fundraising for women and children. They just le- recently installed like a state-of-the-art NICU that, through their capital campaign. Yeah, the NICU, um, neonatal intensive care unit. Oh, okay. So babies that are born prematurely, they need special care. Mm. And just literally blocks from here, we have a world-class NICU unit in the IWK. So a lot of the work I was doing, I was working, helping them work on their capital campaign and doing the graphic design for that. 
And it was so in, li- in alignment with what I wanted to be doing. I wasn't working for crappy corporations at, a, at an ad agency. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't like, this is like, I'm versioning out the 500th billboard for these people who are doing awful things. They're not doing anything for their community. Yeah. And I went did a total 360 when I went out on my own. And I was like, I'm going to work for people doing really good things and use my abilities for really good things. Mm. So it was um, really great to work for them. But what ended up happening was that my my idea of running a business was totally cannibalized by what they were doing and like I loved lending my skills to that so I didn't set aside any time mm. to run my business so for two I worked for them for about two and a half years mm. and then finally um I was like you know what like I, this is wonderful I love what I'm doing mm-hmm. but I'm not running my business I've registered my business and I have a nice contract but I'm not running it. I'm not out there actually, you know, being my brand. I'm not out there actually doing that. So like something's got to change. So right around that same time, I started working with um, a mentor who I have to mention. Her name is Eleanor Beaton. And Eleanor is a women's leadership expert. Um, I'm probably not really saying her title right, but basically she totally changed my life. And she was like, look, like, In order for you to really make a business, you have to make the jump from being an in-house designer, like really a a worker bee, as I would explain it to a queen bee. You Mm. really have to start running your own show. So with her like support and guidance and coaching, I finally found the courage to just like go out on my own. So I have been out officially on my own and running my business for two years. Mm. So like two and a half years, I guess you'd say. Um, so even though it's been five years I've been registered, it's really only been two and a half that I've been running it. So that's a really long meandering way to answer your question with no, how no. long. No, it does. <laughs> and, and do you remember the first thing you did after you got off IWK? Yeah. Okay. So the first um, project that I worked on, oh, geez, I'm trying to remember. I actually did Eleanor's rebrand for her. Oh. Oh. Yeah, and I, I worked actually for another um, local artisan here um, named Alicia Boyd, uh, and Alicia owns Luxie Studio Works, and she's based here in the North End, and she creates uh, custom lighting fixtures, so I absolutely love working with um, artists. And uh, she crafts these beautiful lighting fixtures. They're world-class. Actually, her work is um, in City Hall right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she like she was just really cool to work for. So I designed all of her marketing materials and her, her brand and whatnot. Um, so that was a, a contract I worked on. Another um, contract I worked with was with Leslie Armstrong. And Leslie owns a weaving studio in La Have, Nova Scotia. She has a big, beautiful studio down down there and she teaches people how to weave so she needed a brand yeah so I worked with her on on her brand and I I still continue to work a little bit with the IWK at first I designed their annual report when I was off on my own Um, and then uh, later that year I actually had the opportunity to work with Lionsgate and I partnered with Lionsgate on a website redesign for them for uh, a talk show Um, and the talk show is called uh, Wendy Williams so you know love her or hate her Wendy's is really opinionated woman Mm. um and you know i don't always agree with what wendy wendy says but she's just really strong and passionate i'm like i have to be involved with this with this uh you know rebrand for her website Mm. so i played a small you know fairly um 
a small but strategic role with working with her and, and designing that, redesigning that website. So mm. it's really, you know, been with local artisans. It's been with, you know, international companies, you know, non-for-profits. So it's, and it, you know, I'm still continuing to do work all around the world in that, in that sense. Mm. And uh, why did you decide on that name? Branding by Brittany. Okay, mm. so this is a really dorky thing I have to admit to. I love alliteration. So, <laughs> <laughs> and it's maybe a little cheesy, but I love the sounds of all words that start with the same letter. I love it. So Brittany branding. I, it's it, it speaks exactly to what I do and how I help people like where I help them with that and, and their brand is what I help them with so I just I, I just thought it rolled off the tongue really nicely <laughs> <laughs> oh god um, so you you and, and then one of the things you do is you do this uh coaching classes uh coaching classes well like seminars i've seen some videos of oh, you yes yes yeah, so workshops the workshops yes yeah yeah, yeah 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 so um branding workshops are a new offer that i that i just started that i just started to offer as well as public speaking so public speaking um and for anybody who's listening to this and they're terrified of public speaking and they think they can't do it <laughs> i'm here to tell you that you absolutely can do it because i can do it and, <laughs> and i am like just scared to death like scared to death of public speaking like even um you know before doing this today like while i was going to bed last night i woke up a couple times last night i'm like i have that interview tomorrow <laughs> so <laughs> oh my gosh so and it's it's just i'm a i'm a really big introvert so it's it it takes a lot of energy for me um to really put myself out there in a really visible way but this is what i coach people to do and i I know that I need to push myself and, you know, get outside my comfort. Mm. So um, doing the workshops, uh, I love that because I'm educating people in an area that I'm passionate about. And, you know, it gives small business owners the tools to understand how to really get the most out of their brand, to understand what their brand does for them, what it doesn't do for them. Um, so I, I think it's a it's an area that a lot of people don't have education in, and I do. So I love mm. sharing that, you know, that wealth of experience in that sense. Um, and public speaking is a really new one. Um, and it's just it's just really it pushes me and it scares me to death. It's like jump, it's like my version of jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Then what? When you when someone meets you, I'm like, okay, I need you to work on my brand and stuff. How do you define a brand first? Uh, I I define a brand. Geez, I know that there's probably a really great succinct way to say this, but your brand is really at the end of the day, if you boil it right down, your brand is how you make somebody feel. That's all that a brand is. So now a brand is many different things. So it's how you show up with your wardrobe. It's it's how you, you know, the words you use. It's your logo. It's your website. Um, and it's most importantly, not just your logo. A lot of small business owners think that their brand is their logo. But your logo doesn't mean anything if your brand doesn't, you know, doesn't mean anything. Mm. So how you make your brand mean something and you build in brand equity is really through how you show up. So what what's the content you're producing? What are you saying? Mm. How are you showing up physically? How are you making somebody feel after you've talked to them? Mm. Like, what's the energy that you're bringing? What's the perspective that you're bringing? How, like, really, how are you making somebody feel at mm. the end of the day? That's, that's what I would say a brand is. Um, but I'd also say that your brand 
more importantly, is also um, it's your sales team. <laughs> it really is. And I think oftentimes why uh, folks don't want to invest in branding is because it is an investment. It is expensive. Mm. Um, but they don't realize that you're creating and crafting a perception. And mm. if you're not investing in in a certain way and to show up a certain way, you're maybe going to miss out on your ideal customers who you're trying to reach. Mm. So I really would argue that, yes, brand is how you make somebody feel, but it's also your sales. It's your bottom line as well. Mm. So that, that hopefully that uh, that answers your... <laughs> what are some logos you like? Oh, oh. Not necessarily ones you've created, but just oh, in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like Airbnb. And the reason... <laughs> Which one? The new... Well, the, the current one. one. Yeah, the yeah. new one. And I love it because I feel like there's a story there. And any time that you can really tell a story through your brand, that's really what brand is, is you're telling a story. Um, I love that. I think it's really clever. Uh, geez, what else? There's there's so many... Like, logo design really is an art form in mm. itself. So uh, I, I also really like, and I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily their logo, but I really like MailChimp's brand. Oh, yeah. And the reason I love that, and I've talked about this before, is that when I did my first email campaign, I got a pair of free socks in the mail with them congratulating me that I opened up my first email list. <laughs> and I was like, how cool. So like, even to this day, like I'll put on my MailChimp socks and I kind of smile. And like, <laughs> that's an example of really great branding because mm. they actually get super close to the customer and they make that customer feel a very certain tangible thing. Yeah. Talking about branding, I want us to talk a little bit about why you decided to do what you did for the um, Jazz Fest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, cool. yeah. Right yeah. There, one sec. So we'll just pick up from that and then we'll do the B-roll later. Yep, for sure. So, so, one sec, one sec, sorry, I didn't, didn't uh, go again. So what is going to happen is we are going to come back as if we've already talked about it. Oh, okay. Because we are going to talk about it after this one. So oh. wait, saying, I, I just started rolling again, but you want us to do No, the... we'll just, con no, 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 we'll do the B-roll after this. So we are just going to continue as if we've done the B-roll. We're not going to have any dialogue though. You should pick up the conversation right from where you Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, um, the Jazz Fest, what is the story about that? How did it decide? I know this is year three, but I mean, each year has to be different. So I'm curious about what was the inspiration for this year's one. Yeah. So, like you mentioned, it's my third year doing it. So, it's almost like you're competing against yourself when, you, <laughs> when you're doing it, you know, another image again. Um, so, the inspiration this year, I sat down with the Jazz Fest team and I just wanted to see, I, like I was asking, okay, it's like, what do you want to achieve this year? Like, what's different from last year? Like, what, like, what are your, what are your biggest things. So mm. the challenge was, is that they have an incredibly loyal and established audience and like total diehards, they will show up rain or sunshine, like every year, no matter what, like they're going to be there. Mm. The trick is, is that they also want to start attracting a newer demographic as well. So um, you're probably going to see this a lot in the Halifax market because we have the boomers who are aging, as we know, like our, my parents, right? They're aging and like they're, obviously their interests are shifting away, but attracting a younger, uh, newer audience, somebody who may have been intimidated to come to the Jazz Fest. Um, the Jazz Fest, you know, obviously it could appear like it's a bit exclusive and it's really not. It's incredibly inclusive. So with this year's design, I it was really important to the team that it looked inviting, friendly, celebratory, 
and diverse because mm. the Jazz Fest totally celebrates diversity in sound, in experience, in culture. Um, so really appealing to that new audience and really to welcome them in and to bring them in. So it's like, you know, maybe you've had a hesitation. You've never checked it out before. Mm. This design is like, you know what? It's friendly. It's fun. Just just come and check it out. So um, that's really the inspiration behind it was really making it very inclusive mm. and fun. How do you find time to work on that? Because I remember uh, you were pretty much traveling and, you know, <sighs> this... Yeah. I remember you were traveling a lot while working on this. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it was a real balance. Um, and something like that, it, it may not even look like much the end result, but it takes an immense amount of creative energy. Exactly. Like immense amount. Um, so I made sure to block my schedule. So certain times when I would only be focusing on the Jazz Fest mm. and like the Jazz Fest is my only priority. And, it, you know, no pressure because the whole city's just looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> like no pressure at all. Um, and then your name's attached to it very publicly. Mm. So I just really focused, honestly, I just really focused. So when I was with that and I was working on that, I was only with that. So the like really for me to take my next best, best step with that was just to focus with it. Mm. That's honestly like I know it sounds simple, but that's what I did. Yeah, because yeah. I know you had to you had the thing in Monson and then the one in New Brunswick and um Yep. Lots of travel and you still fit in a holiday there too. Yeah, yeah. I, then I went to Toronto after that. Exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. So when I saw your name, I was like, how does she do all that? <laughs> does it help that your partner also does, um, is also a creative? Yeah. You know, Chris, um, Chris Kaworski, for anybody who's listening, I know that he's been a guest on the show as well and yeah. he'll be coming up as well. But um, so like I mentioned, I met Chris in college uh, and he is, I, I often wonder if I would still be in this field without him. Because mm. really, like, uh, always collaborating with him all the time on this kind of stuff and other projects, I'm so fortunate that I have a partner who really gets it. And Chris is such a master of his craft. He mm. is incredible at what he does. He's also an incredibly supportive and patient husband because I get into my zones with, you know, being creative and mm. also being a business person. So I don't know that I could have done it without his support. Like, oftentimes people don't talk about you know, how important it is to choose a partner that really supports you in your endeavors mm. because you are who you surround yourself with. Um, so, you know, if, if he wasn't supportive in that way or didn't really get it, mm. I think I'd have a really hard time showing up as, um, as creatively, uh, as I do. Uh, yeah. 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 Wow. Um, I, I mean, I talked to Chris. Chris is great. And I love his photography and his logo is there. So, oh, you actually did. Obviously, yes. you had to do yeah. that. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Um, what was, I guess, what was the process for that? Cause, With Chris, yeah. Yeah, the logo. He was saying he loved that camera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really interesting process because, so Chris was my very first logo design project ever when I first got out of school. So I was like, I think 19 when I graduated, he was starting his photography business at the same time because we graduated together. Mm. So he graduated from NSCC's photography program. I 
graduated from NSCC's graphic design program. Mm. So he needed a brand and I needed photography. So I needed somebody to photograph the work that I had done to obviously attract more clients. So for my promotional stuff, and he needed um, a brand because he just, before I met him, he literally had a black and white invoice. It said Chris Gaworski, and then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, okay, we need to do something with this. Um, Now, truthfully, when you design your first logo, you really have to learn as you do it. Mm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew Chris really well. And I knew that he had this love for um, vintage cameras. Mm. And the very first camera he ever used, I believe, was a Kodak Brownie. And that's the symbol that we came up with uh, for his logo, because it really spoke to his roots and it spoke to his sort of creative process as well, you Mm. know, really keeping things analog as much as possible. Mm. Um, So it was just so Chris. So we chose that as his as his emblem. And it was this really thin uh, line drawing. And he had that for probably for well, probably for too long, because technology, when it evolved, um, everything is more so on screen. So those really fine, thin lines when we first designed them just really weren't holding up on mobile applications or on web. Mm. So we revisited his brand, uh, geez, probably about four, three or four years ago now. And I'm like, you just need something bolder. Mm. Um, so we got rid of the fine lines and now it just punches off of um, a website and it's unmistakable when you see that mark. It's like, oh, that's his blue. Mm. It's really signature. And actually, Actually, I, I don't I forget the stat, but um, color is one of the most biggest um, identifiers of brands. So mm. when you're looking at different brands, you're like, that's Airbnb coral or that's Firefox orange and blue. Mm. So um but it was a really cool evolutionary process working on that lo- on that logo over a course of like I mean I guess like you know twelve years now so but yeah we've um, we've revised it and it's just a lot more sharp. And now what's the process when you work on a logo? I come and say oh I wanna what what I say I wanna make a logo for my company. What happens? Oh okay so first um, we really determine like I have a consultation call. That's the first step. Mm. The second step is that I do uh, I always do a brand questionnaire. So uh, that really determines your brand positioning because your visuals usually come after that positioning it's like i need to know who your customers are who your competition is and like what's your area in the market that you really need to show up with Mm. so we have the questionnaire then i do something a little unusual and that i send my customers to pinterest and i I set up um boards for them to pin images to that they that resonate with them (laughs) so i use it like my my visual sort of like crystal ball because Mm. um it's sometimes really hard with creativity to speak the same language as what someone else. What kind of else. images would they put there? So I set up boards, um, other logos they like. Oh, okay. And colors they like. Okay. So everything else I just, I, I fill in the blanks. Um, but I just want to get inside their head to see what logos they like, what are competitor logos that they like, what are colors they like, because color scheme is so incredibly important. Mm. So I really just use that as my, as my, like I say, like my visual crystal ball to get inside their head and see what they like Mm. um so i I use that as a as a piece of the process to coming up with something that really will resonate with them and their and their audience Mm -hmm. then after that i actually i jump right into the creative process i develop three different types of logos like three totally different styles Mm. and then we pick one and then we sort of revise that after afterwards to really boil it down and refine it uh to what they're looking for so yeah that's that's generally how the process works Mm. yeah and then how much time does is put into that so uh, usually it's no more than uh three weeks with a week of revision so Mm. i would say when you're when you're looking at getting a logo design i would set aside a month 
to mm. really get that done. Now that's just the logo. Mm. Uh, there's obviously like we had discussed many other pieces to brand and what makes up brand, but your logo to really just get that down because you really want to make sure you do your homework with that positioning. Um, I'm going to say about a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and then, oh yeah, here's one question I always want to ask a designer, yeah. like a company, Bulk brand. It was yellow and, and red. Yep. And then they changed to black and whatever. I think black and red or something. Is it is it black and yellow now? Oh, black and... It's black. Like, the main background is black and then the other one... I think it's black and red, I think. Yeah. How much is expensive to do that, I know. But, like, what are some of the reasons that companies do that? To rebrand. Mm. So, I think that... Um, so, your market is always changing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to kind of check in. It's like, who's really coming through our doors? Like, who is our customer actually? Because you could do that research uh, six months ago, Mm. and then in six months it changes. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, like, you know, maybe there's more like millennial, what is it, the one that's after, um, oh, I think it's Gen Z. Z? Gen Z, right? So like, they're coming into the marketplace now, and they have a totally different appetite and taste than millennials and Mm. boomers. So really doing your, you know, market research and understanding, um, you know what like what how you should be showing up is incredibly important mm-hmm. but technology changes trends change and you need to make sure that your brand is also translating appropriately on multi multimedia as mm-hmm. well and usually you want to look at either tweaking your brand or you know editing it a bit uh, probably within no longer than five years mm. um, and that's not to say to totally change everything even just slight adjustments can really work like sort of what we were talking about with Chris we still kept his main image with the Kodak brownie mm. but we just really kind of redesigned it to be more simplified you see that with Instagram as well they had that old camera and then they made it orange and blah 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 yeah, yeah and they just simplified the lines um, and it, so it's just really understanding trends that are happening in technology who's your who like who's the customer who are you really talking to so that's why you would change those things up is is really tech and your and your customer and and um you said you didn't really have a computer background how did how long did it take to adopt it because was it like you never used computers until you got into NSCC? Pretty much. Um, no, we did, honestly, at our at our elementary schools, I had like a floppy disk that you'd put into the computer and you did a couple little assignments on Microsoft Word. But my parents were actually scared of us breaking the computer. So we had a computer at home, but we weren't allowed to touch it. So gotcha, I think it's gotcha. called Technophobe. They're Technophobes or Luddites, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but they were just scared of technology. So I what I did was... When I went to NSCC, it mm. probably took me, it probably took me a good year to really understand how to start to really use the tech. Mm. Um, and I was so scared. Like it was a very much like a white knuckle approach and I was getting really low grades. So I said to my teachers, cause I was like always an honor roll student and I was getting seventies and sixties. So I remember I went to my teachers, Rob and Crystal, they're still there. They're great. Uh, Rob Hansen and oh my gosh, I'm blanking on Crystal's last name, but she's a fantastic instructor at NSCC, the waterfront campus. Mm. And I said to them, I was like, I'm just, I don't understand. My grades are so low. I'm not, getting this and they're like you are like just keep going mm. so it was a real curveball for me like most of the other students were picking it up and doing it a lot faster so I was watching everybody kind of you know 
go past me really quickly. So then there was that. And then it was also like, oh, I'm just not getting it. But I just needed to keep going. Mm. Yeah. And what what apps do you enjoy using for work? Yeah. So um, Adobe, uh, Adobe Creative Cloud is probably the industry standard that most anyone would use. Mm. So my tools of the trade would be InDesign, Illustrator, Photoshop, uh, Adobe Acrobat. Uh, but, you know, there's also some really great free online tools that everybody should know about. Uh, so there's something called Canva and Canva, not everybody's heard of it. Um, and it's not Canvas, it's Canva. Uh, and it's it's sort of like a image uh, creation tool like InDesign, but mm. it's totally free and it's everybody should use it. It's just a really effective way to create graphics for your business, mm. uh, for whatever you want to promote on, on social. So mm. that's another great tool as well. Awesome. And I'm going to end with this, you know, so we know you've done all this and then with the Jazz Fest thing, is happening soon what is in the horizon for you yeah for for me um i want to you know you're going to be seeing me still doing more speaking engagements i really want to get out there um i'm I'm building a keynote a new keynote right now um i'm going to be actually revising my brand um Mm. so that's actually something that's coming up that i'm really excited about um but yeah like really designing that keynote uh you know kind of editing my brand and to better reflect where I'm at. So mm. just walking my talk. Uh, so those are two, probably two really big things that are coming up right now. I've also added um, wardrobe consultation to my roster of services. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to be, you're going to see a lot more because really your wardrobe is a huge piece of your brand. So how you're showing up mm. like physically is a huge representation of your, of your business and, and what you offer. Mm. So that's something else that I'm, I'm going to be working on adding in as a service over the next over the next six months or so awesome yeah wow yeah Thank you so much for coming in, Brittany. Oh, thank you for having and me, Israel. Yeah, I'm like, I'm now like, oh, yeah, you know that Jazz Fest thing? I know someone else. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. This is the Blackout Podcast. for listening.